the Bible Study Podcast, episode 163. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Acts with chapter 27. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We are rapidly winding up the book of Acts, and Paul sets sail for Rome. Remember that Paul has been tried under Felix and Festus and Agrippa now, and they haven't found anything wrong with him, but he has appealed to Caesar, so off to Caesar he will go. And so he is starting in Caesarea Philippi, and he is heading towards Rome. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramitium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed in Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed in Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Sindus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens, near the town of Lasea. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous, because it was now after the fast. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see our voyage is going to be disastrous, and bring great loss to ship and cargo, and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owners of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So what's going on here is Paul is sailing, but he is sailing in late fall. And this is a time when the ships would basically, because of the weather in the Mediterranean, tend to find a harbor to winter in and to stay there for the winter. But Julius, who is the centurion who is in charge of getting Paul to Rome, is trying to get them there quickly. And so they're taking some chances here, heading out. And they're on a ship from Alexandria. Alexandria is in Egypt. Alexandria is, by this time, the center of learning in the Roman Empire, or soon will be. And it is also because it's from Alexandria, probably filled with grain from Egypt. This would be most likely a grain ship, because Egypt is one of the richest area in terms of providing grain to the rest of the Roman Empire, and especially to Rome itself. And they're sailing past all of these different cities, many of which I probably pronounced incorrectly, but they're basically sailing up the coast along what is now Lebanon, Syria, Turkey and then going down by Cyprus and then now they're on Crete where they're trying to get to Phoenix so that they can winter. Notice that this is also in the first person. Luke is along with Paul on this journey as well as Aristarchus. Aristarchus is also mentioned in Paul's letters as his Luke. Continuing on, the storm. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. 
before very long a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind so we gave way to it and were driven along as we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing they would run aground on the sandbars of Citrus, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have some faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island." Because of the way the ships were constructed at this point, they were square-sailed ships, they didn't have the ability to really sail towards the wind that much, and so they really don't have as much options as ships would later on have in terms of maneuverability. So when they get caught in this terrible storm, and they get caught away from land... At this time, you wouldn't want to generally sail away from land because navigation wasn't quite as good, the ships aren't as maneuverable, and so they are just being driven along. They start throwing everything they can over the side to try and save themselves because the ship is undoubtedly taking on water, and they are convinced they're going to die. But Paul gets up and says, no, God has told me that he's going to save you, but, by the way, the ship is going to go down. And so he is encouraging them to run aground. One of my favorite parts of that section here is that Paul knows who he is and whose he is and who he serves. And I think that is part of the source of the faith that he has, is a clear knowledge that he is God's servant. And I think there's something in there for us when we're facing difficult times to be clear on whose we are. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul encouraged them to eat. For the last fourteen days, he said, You have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. 
And so they're heading towards land. They're not sure when they're going to hit it. They want to, if they're going to run aground, run aground in daylight when they have a better chance. The sailors are going to desert them until Paul notices them trying to get away, basically. And he finally encourages them and gives them the strength and the encouragement they need both physically and spiritually as he is confident that they're going to be saved. When daylight comes, they do not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Remember, we talked about earlier that if a soldier lets a prisoner go, then they need to fulfill whatever the prisoner's sentence was. And so if any of these are condemned prisoners, they would be killed. And so there's a reason why the soldiers are trying to kill the prisoners, that that would be preferable to letting them escape. That seems like an odd place to leave it, but that is the chapter boundary. We have only one more chapter to go until we wrap up the book of Acts. And after that, we are going to be doing a study, or I'm going to be doing a study, on money and what the Bible has to say about money. So stay tuned for that. Remember that if you have an iPhone or a new iPad, you can get the Bible Study Podcast app for that. Just check that out in the App Store. That helps support the show. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. As always, thanks so much for listening. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, Search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.